Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Tuesday, October the 25th. This week we're discussing obesity, specifically screening for it in primary care. We're going to be discussing a UK trial and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by one of the authors of the paper. Do come in and say hi and introduce yourself please. Hello, my name's Paul Aviard. I'm a professor of behavioural medicine and a practising GP and I work in the Department of Primary Care at the University of Oxford. Many thanks, Dr. Aviard. The trial that we're discussing concerns screening for weight loss in primary care. How difficult is this subject in this setting? I think it is a difficult subject for GPs and traditionally thought of it as, first of all, not necessarily their business at all. And secondly, it's not the kind of thing you blurt out even to your friends and relatives, you know, about their weight. And what we did in this trial was get doctors to do exactly that with their patients, which um, they did find disconcerting to start with, but quickly realized that it wasn't quite so disconcerting as they thought it might be. I think one of the things that may make it more difficult for us as GPs is that many of us feel that our advice on behavioral issues like weight or smoking is best placed and most well received when a person has a weight-related or smoking-related health issue. But in fact, a lot of patients seem to resist advice at those moments, perhaps because they feel that somehow they're being blamed for their current illness. And so maybe our attempts to discuss this with patients, generate this resistance and reinforce those beliefs that this is a difficult subject to address when I think it need not necessarily be so. Can you briefly outline the key aims of this trial and how the trial was done? This was a trial that was aiming to help people lose weight, but it was aiming not at people who come along asking for help, but at the general patient who came along, a brief intervention, much in the same way that we do with smoking. We offer help to people to stop smoking who don't necessarily ask for it as part of, for example, in the UK, part of our pay for performance system that we do that. So this was aiming at that same kind of general population. And what we were trying to do was in the intervention arm, the GPs offered help to lose weight, referral to a program that we know is effective. And in the control arm, um, we asked GPs to advise people to lose weight. We considered whether that was a good choice of control or whether they should just not mention it. But given the context of how you do trials, we thought it would be very difficult for them not to mention it at all. So they just said it would help your health if you lost some weight. And the aim was that the intervention and the control intervention would be something that a doctor could complete within 30 seconds, a minute at the most. But it was aiming to be very short and therefore very practical thing to do. Just one point of clarification for the intervention arm where doctors actively offered guidance towards weight loss programs. We know the sorts of things in the United Kingdom, they must exist in other countries too, things like Weight Watchers programs where people go along once a week for an hour, don't they, for a number of weeks and they have targets and they're weighed. How active or passive were the doctors? You just said they spent very little time doing it, 30 seconds or a minute. Were they literally just signposting their existence or were they actually taking details and trying to physically refer the patients on to these services? We encourage doctors to be quite strong in recommending them and saying that this is the best way to lose weight. 
We use Slimming World and Rosemary Connolly as the programmes in our particular uh, research, although Weight Watchers is equally effective. So the doctor said it's the best way to lose weight, and I can refer you now if you're willing to give it a try. And then uh, when the person said yes, as in fact they did in three quarters of the occasions it was offered, they said, that's great. Take this form outside, give it to the person who's just weighed you, and they will book you into a treatment program right now. And so the person left the practice with an appointment at a particular place, time with a particular person. And we know from other kinds of research that if you just leave it to people to organize, people intend to organize it and want to get round to organizing, but somehow don't. So there's actually quite a bit of firm management here in the intervention group. Yes, and people often say that's surprising. You know, if a person's motivated enough to lose weight, then surely they're motivated enough to ring up and book an appointment. But actually the evidence, not just from our trial, but other trials, the evidence is very clear. People don't get around to doing these things and they lose out as a consequence. So we gave people a referral and we made a referral in this trial or the GP did and um, I think that was important after all when we refer people to a cardiologist we don't give them a telephone number and say oh why don't you ring the hospital see if you can see a cardiologist we do that for them and, and we did the same here. Go on and tell us about the results first of all what proportion of people that were randomized into this trial were obese and the success of uptake into the group and obviously what the long-term follow-up was and therefore go from there into the main findings. We weighed and measured 8,403 people in our screening. These were people just waiting to see particular doctors in particular surgeries across England, uh, just consecutive attenders. Nearly everyone agreed to that. And then 32% of those people were met our classification as obese. What that means is a BMI of more than 30 for almost every ethnic group. And because Asians have a higher percentage of body fat at lower BMIs, we made a cutoff at 25 for people of Asian groups. Once we got those groups, we then um, randomly assigned them. They went and had their GP brief intervention and the GP delivered whichever of the two types of intervention it was. And then we asked people immediately afterwards, how was that when the GP raised your weight like this? And how appropriate or helpful was that? And um, more than eight out of 10 people thought it was appropriate and helpful. And about one in 500 people thought it was inappropriate and unhelpful of the GP to have raised it, which is one of the things that makes me feel that GPs worries about doing this. And then we caught up with people at three months and then at 12 months. And at 12 months in particular, we weighed them. And what we found was that the intervention group weighed 2.4 kilograms less than they did at the beginning. And the control group weighed one kilogram less than they did at the beginning, a difference of 1.4 kilograms, but a highly significant difference. It was clear then that offering people referral was an effective treatment. And the reason the treatment worked was that lots of people took up the referral. 77% of people said, yes, I will do it. And 40% of people actually did go to the weight loss program. Just on the uptake of people who took the weight control classes in the intervention group, that uptake of 40%. How was that in terms of a figure? Were you surprised by that figure? Is that a good figure? It's less than half. It is less than half. But remember, we screened out people who were already doing something active about their weight. So these are just consecutive attenders at primary care with no particular interest that we know of in weight control and out of the blue are offered a referral to a moderately intensive 12-week behavioral weight loss program. 
So I think 40% is pretty good for that kind of context. Uh, it was about four times more than the proportion who just of their own bat when in the control group, people didn't know that there was a referral offer available. So some of them obviously go and pay for enrollment in Weight Watchers or Slimming World. And uh, about 9% of people did so in the same period when around about 40% of people did it in the intervention group. So it's, it's more than four times the natural rate of take up of these programs, if you like. In terms of the policy implications, I mean, you've got a statistically strong result here and not being flippant in any way at all, because this is really important, clearly. Population body weight, as we know, from we've published a lot of papers in The Lancet recently about global trends in body weight, broken down country by country. We're aware of the obesity crisis in many countries, including the UK. Childhood obesity, of course, is something that politically is on the agenda. So obesity is a really big problem, and clearly primary care has an important role to play. It just seems extraordinary that here we are in 2016, and we're only now just finding out whether primary care intervention is even acceptable, let alone whether it's effective. It does seem odd, doesn't it? It does seem odd. I mean, this trial was modelled on a trial from the 1970s on smoking. And I suppose in some ways, the sort of global policy situation on obesity is fairly parallel with the world as it existed in the 1970s on smoking, which is to say that at that time, there was very little kind of control over tobacco industry and on what they did in terms of advertising and promotions. You know, there was a sort of sense that it was bad for you. But the policy leaders that we now have on tobacco control are amazing compared with what they were in the 1970s. And that, in some ways, I think we are in the same kind of position on obesity. We all know it's bad for us. We all know that it's the environment that's to blame for this, and not individuals necessarily. But part of what we found with tobacco control was that having GPs talk to individuals and offer them ways to stop smoking has become an important public health intervention in its own right. And I think the same could be true of brief interventions by GPs to help people lose weight. There's every reason to think that this is a very sustainable intervention, it's very practical, it's very cheap, and it's an effective thing to do. So I think it's hopefully the beginning of what will become a raft of policies, some more aimed at practitioners, but many more aimed at public health issues. And in terms of next steps uh, and policy implications from your study, do we have enough data from this study? Do we need other studies, parallel studies, replica studies, larger studies? Or do you think actually the evidence in a way is, is clear? It's more about implementation at the policy level. So how do we go forward from here? I think there's two things that we could go forward for. for so for individual GPs who hopefully are listening to this podcast, there's no reason at all why they couldn't do and say something rather similar. Now, there are some things we put in place in the trial that would make our lives easier as GPs. For starters, everybody was weighed before they went to see the GP. So the GP had a record of their weight. If I do this in my own surgery, I have to say to someone, please, while you're here, will you just mind hopping on the scales? And it doesn't take long, but it does take a few more minutes added on to the intervention in our busy 10-minute slot. So that's one thing. But also, more importantly, perhaps, it feels like when a GP said to us, when the patient's been weighed, it opens the door for me about their weight. 
So I think GPs can implement it, but I think there are also a sort of push towards policymakers in the UK and elsewhere to think what are the kinds of supportive changes that we might need to introduce that will prompt GPs to do this. Weighing people on arrival might be one of the things that we look at. It's something that's done in some countries like the US. And also removing the bureaucratic hurdles that mean that For example, me as a GP, I can't just do what I did in the trial, which was just to hand over a referral voucher. I have to fill in a long form and assess a person's motivation and all their blood test results. That's another barrier in the way of me referring people. That's the risk, isn't it? It could become heavily bureaucratic on top of a very heavy workload that GPs are facing at the moment. Yeah, so I'm sympathetic with GPs who say I haven't got time to do this. In being in the trial, we try to remove as many barriers as possible. And so I think policymakers here and elsewhere could definitely look at doing that and making sure that we have referral schemes in place. Because again, under public health cuts that we are experiencing in the UK, these schemes are being rescinded and removed or reduced. So that's another policy push that could come from this paper. A final thought. Interesting it is, and it would be interesting, obviously, to see how the policy areas go in this field. Is there a factor here, I'm thinking about the generalizability of these data to other settings. This obviously is a, a UK study done within UK primary care. This may sound like a, a slightly irreverent thing to say. Is there a British factor here? Are we worried about offending people? Is it our Britishness that is, is preventing GPs hitherto tackling this sort of front on with their patients? No, I think... Other countries, doctors report the same kind of barriers of fear of offending people. You know, I think we have to be sensitive that around or in many cultures, well, uh, many westernized cultures, being overweight is a stigmatized condition and people understand that at a sort of intuitive level and therefore if you are suggesting somebody to lose weight, which is what I, I would suggest people do, then it may feel like you're criticizing them for being overweight and people feel blamed even when um, the doctor hasn't blamed them. So other qualitative research has suggested that people who are overweight bring that sense of stigma and shame with them into the consultation. And when the GP doesn't talk to them about their weight, they think, well, you know, it's an obvious health issue he or she hasn't raised it, he must not think or she must not think that I'm worthy of this kind of attention to my health. You know, I'm sort of somehow um, beneath discussion. So really, there's a lot of negativity around in self-perception then uh, concerning overweight people and their ability to communicate with doctors and other people. Yeah, and I think that is common across many cultures, obviously not absolutely all of them, but um, on the one hand, we idolise thinness, and on the other, we tolerate a social system that allows the forces that create obesity to reign largely unchecked. Well, it's a very interesting study to discuss. I appreciate your time, Dr. Paul Aviard, on the line from the University of Oxford. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thanks, Richard.